Join me as we skip to the end of a book. Not the ending of the story, but further in the back, almost by the back cover, The Acknowledgements. I've always been fascinated by The Acknowledgements and find myself asking questions I wish I had the answers to. Are the people they thanked still in their lives? Do they regret not including someone? What's the meaning behind this inside joke or story? Now, I finally get the answers to my questions. In this podcast, I'll talk to the authors and explore the acknowledgements. So flip to the back of the book with me and let's start there. All right. I am so happy to invite you, Jamie, author of Finding Tessa and several other books to the acknowledgements. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Natan. I'm so happy to have you. And I want to jump. So the book that I read um, a while back now is Finding Tessa. See that beautiful poster behind you. And I know you're the author of the other poster behind you. It could be anyone and one coming up. But since Finding Tessa. I don't have a poster yet. (laughs) (laughs) But I love that cover. And I read the premise of it. So the cover is perfect. I'm going to ask you about that book too. (laughs) But sticking with Finding Tessa, just because it is the book that I've read so far. Can you share a short little premise? of what it's about. Yes, Finding Tessa is about basically a running wife and a searching husband and things get muddled because they did not know each other very well when they married, less than a month. It was love at first sight, but you meet Jace when Tessa is missing. He comes home and there's blood and hair and he calls the police and they kind of don't understand that he doesn't know much about his wife. So they start zeroing in on him. And then when you meet Tessa, you find out she actually is running from her husband. And there's a long road in between there. And I can't get into too much detail, but there there is a lot of back and forth between them, whether is he a bad guy or is he a good guy? And is she a bad person or is she a good person? So you got to kind of figure that out as you're moving along. But yes. that's basically it. <laughs> nope, that's perfect. And I agree, you can't give away too much. I think that when I was getting towards the end, I was in my car in front of my house and I picked it up once I like pulled up to my driveway and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to sit here and finish these last few chapters because I really needed to know what was going to happen. So it's such a fantastic, fun thriller to to get through. So I would love to jump into your acknowledgements a little bit because I, Jamie, did go through and I was like, who is this person and why do they, why are they listed here? And one of the ones that pops out is Barbara say, I still owe you that martini. Okay. Three. Tell me about Barbara. Okay. Barbara Powell is a literary agent. She is not my literary agent, but I will actually credit her for me sitting here where I am today with all of these lovely books. The reason is because writing is a thankless, soulless, horrible road when you're first starting. It is rejection after rejection. No matter how much your mom and your friends like what you wrote, the industry is different and understanding that the in that that it's a business and that agents have to be able to sell your book agents normally don't get a salary they work on straight commissions so they have to be able to sell your book in order to take you on as a client and they probably get 10,000 submissions a year and they probably take on 3 to 5 clients a year so not only does it have to be perfectly written 
It has to be interesting to them and they have to know they can sell it in the market. So that being said, Finding Tesla was not my first book that I wrote. It was the first one that got published, but it was the fifth. No, I'm going to get into that. It was actually my sixth book. My fifth one got my agent, but that's a whole other thing. Anyway, Barbara, I was in a bad place because I had been rejected over and over on my first book, my second book, my third book. And it was just so demoralizing and constantly like wanting this dream to come true and constantly being told it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's it gets under your skin after that long. I'm talking years and hundreds of rejections. So there was a Facebook group that writers were asking questions and she just happened to be hovering around looking at this Facebook group. And one of the questions I asked was, when do you just know to give up? And I'm, I'm finished with this whole thing. I can't take it anymore. And I'm just going to quit writing. And I got out of the Facebook group completely and I was just done. She found me on Twitter and messaged me out of the blue and just said like something like she's really funny. She's really very energetic. And she just messaged me. And this is Barbara Powell, like one of the greatest literary agents out there messages, little old nobody me and was like, what the hell are you talking about? I saw you say something that you're quitting. Guess what? You're not quitting. You're going to put your ass in the seat and you're going to write something until it sells. And then she chatted with me over DM for about a half an hour, asked me for a, like my first 10 pages, told me what was wrong with them, told me how to fix it, how to go about it and said, apply that to the rest of your writing and do not give up. Do not give up. So thankful that I was seen by somebody in the industry, even if this person was telling me that it wasn't good enough, but told me why, explained it to me, gave me the attention that I think I needed right at that moment. And I just said it at the end, I because I know she likes martinis. And I said, I owe you a martini for this. And she said, bitch, you owe me three. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, it. Yeah. So that was, that was fun. And funnily enough, when I did get my offer of representation from my agent, it was actually for it could be anyone. This is how fun and weird publishing is. It was for it could be anyone. Now, when you get an offer of representation, you have to go back and let all the other agents know who have your like your query letter, your sample, your materials. You have to let them know, hey, I got an offer because then they're either going to read it really quickly and offer and then you get to pick. So she had my query and my sample pages, Barbara. So I went to her and I said, hey, I actually did get an offer of representation on this one. This was book number five, finally. So so she said, okay, the entire thing, I'll read it. She read it overnight and in one sitting and told me how much she loved it, which was just so nice to hear. She just said she, she would want a substantial revision, which is called an R&R in the business. It's a rewrite and resubmit. She said, but if you've got, if you've got somebody willing to sign you and work with you, I think you should go for it. You, you did what I told you to do basically. And I'm still so thankful that not only did she get me to where I am, is that she actually read the book that I was offered rep on and that she liked it and that she almost offered rep on it. That was just, that's why Barbara is going to just be a special person. I'm here because of her. So it's a, it's fun. Publishing is, it's hard. It's hard, man. Jamie, I'm so glad I started with the question about Barbara. And this is why I love the acknowledgements because I read that and to know that story behind it is so amazing. Yes, you owe her at least three. I'm sure you've already given her three. And we were going to do it. Uh, I was going to do it. I got, I got my publishing deal in 2020. Yeah. So there was no, there was no going out. 
there was no doing anything. There was no going to the city. I couldn't. Hopefully, I'll catch up with her at Thriller Fest this year. So that'll be, I would like to see her and get her that martini. What I love about that too, a few things. One is that one person can change the direction you're going in. That's such a fascinating thing to me and also makes me think about how I'm approaching people and what we can do just as individuals to someone, keep them on their path, encourage them and all of that. Yeah, it's that old thing that you everybody says, don't judge somebody you don't know what they're going through. And how sometimes you could smile at somebody and it changes everything for them. And sure. she she sought me out. She remembered my name. She sought me out on a different media and came at me and she did change things for me. Yeah, keep it up. And that cut, it's just, I've been reading a lot about being gritty and having grit. And I think that the journey you're talking about in being a writer is really just proof. That is an area where you need to have grit. And yeah. I would love to hear this then about these five or six books. And oh. even before Barbara came into your world, how did you keep up that grit even during all that a lot of tears a lot of wine and chocolate <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of encouragement from other writers I have to I do have to say authors are probably the greatest group of people in an industry because you're not in competition just because somebody reads my book doesn't mean they're not going to read somebody else's book. We're not in competition with each other, which is why authors always try to lift each other up and help each other out. And that's why we're always blurbing for each other and introducing our friends' books to our readers and vice versa. It's This is the good part because when you... When you make all of these like industry friends, it's amazing. It's a, it's amazing because I actually met a lot of writers before either of us, any of us were agented or had a book deal or anything. And now many of us are agented and have book deals because we leveled each other up at the same time. So one of my closest friends, Vanessa Lilly, she got her agent and her book deal before I even got an agent. But we were, she was still kind of helping me with all of my rating, helping me be a critic. She was being one of my critique partners. And I basically tagged along with her when I uh, went to my first Thriller Fest. And she introduced me to other authors who were already established and already there. I was there as somebody who was trying to get published. But having her be a kind of a step ahead of me the whole way has been so helpful for me because I knew the process already. I didn't have to get blindsided by anything that was coming from an agent or an editor or anything. So I think what really helped get me through everything was other writers after all the crying and the wine and chocolate and time walks into traffic and (laughs) no no that was that was a bad joke but other writers they're worth their weight in gold becomes your community yes yes absolutely and when so it seems right the two books you've written and the one that's coming out are around this thriller genre and so that seems to be where you are so I'd love to know what do you read is this a genre you read or do you come outside of it as well exclusively exclusively I will read this actually Actually, Geneva Rose and Ashley Vinstead both wrote, they're thriller writers, but they both wrote like a rom-com and I read both of those and I will continue to read because I love them and I love their writing. So I will read rom-coms from my my friends. I know Darby Keene has one coming out too. She, she, I think, writes her rom-coms as Helen K. Diamond. So my friend's stuff, I will I will read if they go somewhere else. But other than that, no, I do not read romance. I don't read rom-coms. I don't read historical. I don't read biographies. I'm, I'm boring like that. I'm just, but I consider this research. Like I love being, seeing what other people, how they're going to twist up the story and stuff. I love it. This is my jam. <laughs> 
And sure, I don't see it as boring at all. I think there's also a lot of variation within each genre. I've read thriller types of books that are so different from each other. So they are there is so much variety even there. Yeah, there's ones that follow a detective. There's ones that are more mystery, more suspense, more thriller. There's subgenres, domestic, psychological, but I'll read all of them. <laughs> and were you always a reader of thrillers then? What were you reading when you were a kid? No, I actually didn't really get into the... I read like Sweet Valley High and Sweet Valley Twins when I was, that's how I was like getting into reading, was reading that stuff. And actually, when I first started reading again as an adult, I was reading like chick flick type things, the click clackers, the going to the big city, getting your job, finding your love, getting your great apartment. And that that's what I used to read. That was in my early 20s. And then when I started writing in my mid 20s, so you know how old I am because I graduated high school with your husband. Yeah, so, I do know how old um, I am. <laughs> and I started writing in my <laughs> mid-20s. So this is how long of a process this has been. When I started writing, I moved to New York City and I said, oh, I'm going to move to New York City and become a writer. And I was writing the same type of stuff, chiclet stuff. But then I stopped writing because my life got in the way. I, yeah, I had a job that I had to do and... I started making my network of like friends and people and coworkers and everything in New York. And I was going out a lot and I just didn't have time. And I kind of just sit on the back burner. And then when I picked it up again, it was probably, I don't know, maybe 2012, 2013. And that's when I started writing again. So I kind of picked up on the story I was writing before that. And it was more like women's fiction, not really chiclet. It wasn't a big girl in New York City looking for love. It wasn't that, but it was more of women's fiction, friendship, relationship, coming into your what is it all about type stuff. But in the end, I killed somebody and I decided I really liked doing that. So I started, I dove into reading thrillers. The one that really got me back into it was Good Girl by Mary Kubica. I hoovered that book in less than 24 hours hours and I was so upset like I, I couldn't put it down and I was like I need to be able to write something like this with these twists and stuff so I started really reading constantly I was reading and I still read two to three books a week but I, I started doing the research for it and then I was like okay I need a an idea and then I wrote the first one the second one the third one the fourth one and they were just going nowhere I just could not get an agent and it, it was just hopeless it was just it's horrible it was five years five years and then the fifth one was it could be anyone that's how I got my agent and then you figure yay now this is it nope didn't sell it did not sell so I wrote Finding Tessa while that was on submission to the editors and when finally it was just like it was almost a year and my agent was like okay I was like I have this other book she's like all right let's just pull the other one and um, get another one that you know goes into the drawer that nobody's ever gonna see it so she put Finding Tessa on submission and that sold in under two months so it goes from zero to 60 and then from 60 to zero. And, and that was the same thing with how I got my agent also. Five years of, of nothing, radio silence, rejection. When when I got my offer from her, she asked to read the full when I was at Thriller Fest on a Thursday. I sent it to her on Friday and then she made the offer on Wednesday. So after five years of nothing, I, it went from nothing to five days of being of being agented. So it happened that fast. after all that waiting, it could 
happen literally that fast. So that's why I always tell people just don't give up. It's it's a long, arduous process. Almost, I could guarantee almost every single book, 99.9% of books you will see on a shelf at Barnes & Noble is not the author's first manuscript. It's a crapshoot if it is, but it's, you got to get the experience and take a knock. <laughs> I really do love that you're sharing this so honestly, because you make a great point, right? Walking around those bookstores and thinking like, oh, look, all of these people made it, but maybe they didn't they get there in a straight line. Through, they all went through a process. They all cried. They all got rejected hundreds of times. It's the business of perseverance. And with finding Tessa, and it's an interesting question to ask for a thriller, but I know that the it occurs in New Jersey, and you're from New Jersey. There's a dog. Yes. You have a dog. Yes. <laughs> so Cosmo, I assume, because Cosmo, Cosmo is yeah. shouted out in the acknowledgement, yes. which I love. Tell me what else when you think about finding Tessa that was influenced by you as a person in your life? Probably Jace, husband, raised with his, he was close with his parents. And when you find out how he was raised and how it was, basically it was the cookies and milk after school and did your homework and you played outside with your friends. So I made him more like me. Obviously, Tessa was very damaged. Tessa had a lot of problems growing up. I made her the complete opposite of me. <laughs> but I did have their later life before everything blows up. Was At the time, I'm in Florida now. I moved to Florida full time about seven months ago. But at the time... When I wrote Finding Tessa, I was in my office at staring out at the end of the cul-de-sac. I had the reservoir in the backyard. It was the idyllic little neighborhood. It was based on Colts Neck, New Jersey, but it was fictional Valley Spring or Spring Valley or whatever I called it. I don't remember anymore. <laughs> but uh, I, I did I did have the setting based upon where I lived. And you might know, because I'm sure Eric has told you, and I'm sure you've been to Middletown before where we grew up. Yeah, There were a lot of places he would point out at certain points and say, oh, that's where Bruce Springsteen lives. And that's where John Bon Jovi lives. And that's where I used to go to the shore. And it was just a lot of things that were right around me as I grew up and as as where I currently lived at the time. So I made setting very much like where I was and I made Jace more of a, more like my upbringing. So Interesting. I, I, I pop off a little onto him, unless very bad things. <laughs> that you'll have, people will have to read and find out. Read. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. <laughs> and you, you so many friends in your acknowledgements, but one that, and actually you even say, of course, one stands out in particular, my BFF. My ride or die since I was four years old. So tell me about your friend, Anne-Marie. Book three is dedicated to Anne-Marie. If my husband and I die together, she is executor of my will. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, this is my everything. And it's so funny that you even bring her up right now because I'm going to cry. I'm going to show you something she sent me that just got delivered about an hour before this podcast started. I met Anne-Marie in kindergarten. She lived four houses down from me and... 
we, I started kindergarten at the beginning of the school year. She moved in January. So she ended up starting in the middle of the school year. We were on the bus together. We got up at the same bus stop, which was right in front of her house. And I was like, okay, like, let's play. So she brought her stuffed animals over and we did our stuff. We just, we played and she stayed my absolute best, closest friend. And girls go through a lot of shit growing up. And we went through all of it together. Even after I moved to New York City, we would make a point either like at least once a month, I would come back down to New Jersey to have dinner. She would come up to the city. We just always stayed in touch. She was my, my maid of honor I was her maid of honor it's just I she is my ride or die and I always say I would take a bullet for her and I absolutely will there's no question there's no question so chills Jamie <laughs> she, wanted to tell you, she got my birthday gift my birthday was a few weeks ago and it's delivered today so can I show you? Yes, please do. She got me these glass things that I, my, my husband hasn't even had a chance to hang them. They just came because book three got a Kirkus star, which is like the biggest, most amazing thing that could ever happen. But she got it with the review on it. And wait, I'm not done. I'm not done. She also sent my book list for finding Tessa with the book list view. And wait, there's one more. She's literally the best. This one has all three of my publisher's weeklies. Oh See? my gosh. I know. And I just cannot, I'm just like, oh my God, these damn posters have to go. Like these have You need to more space on your walls, Jamie. I know. I know. Everything's got all these bookshelves. <laughs> so all the bookshelves are taking up all of my space. But yeah, I definitely need more. Um, I need more wall space. But yeah, so again, she does some Something like that is just a sincere, like heartfelt gift. That is just, that's just who she is. Yeah. Amazing. I love it. And I love that you were able to show me those beautiful, I mean, that that's so thoughtful. And to have a friend that's part of your life for that long. And yeah. it's just like your cheerleader throughout all of this. That's so lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And so for this latest book, if I'm hearing you correctly, you dedicated it to her. Absolutely. That because is lovely. Because the first one I dedicated to my parents because... Yeah. I wasn't entirely sure my father was going to make it to publication. Old Coot is still hanging on, but, and then obviously the second one I dedicated to my husband, John, because I couldn't be doing any of this without him either. And then there was no question that the third would be to her. She is the other most important person in my life. So. And tell me about the new book. The new book. Oof. This one's a fun one. This one is, it takes place at a, as I told you, I go to Thriller Fest all the time. This one takes place at Murder Palooza, which is basically the exact same thing. <laughs> I, want, I just didn't want to talk about murder at Thriller Fest and then people wouldn't go. So this is, it's a thriller convention for thriller writers, suspense writers, mystery writers, and everybody goes to hang out with each other and go to the panels and do the meetings, see your editors, your agents, and everybody does the entire thing. It's a really, really fun, great way to network and grow your network and get your name out there. And this author, Kristen Bailey, is found stabbed in her hotel room. And then a Twitter account and a burner account, start, the Twitter account starts, follows four other authors, somebody who was her literary rival, somebody who shared a secret past with her, somebody who was stalking her, and somebody else who had a secret with her from the past who was this just 
narcissist, like egomaniac. And the Twitter account starts following them and then dropping hints about the secrets that this person knows that was, that were kind of attached to the dead author. And then everybody who's following the murder palooza hashtag starts to kind of, I don't know, maybe pick up on some of the clues. And then everybody starts accusing everybody. And these four are getting text messages saying that they're going to be outed and that they know it could have been anyone, which that's haha. But they're all saying, they're all saying, I didn't do it, but somebody did it. So we got to read to find out who did it. But, I kind of want to read. But find if they out who find did out it. that they're, they find out as thriller authors, they find out that they are living in a thriller novel because they're trying to figure it out too. There's what murder cool and they're trying to figure it out too. That is very cool. I love that premise. And now you've had these three published books where you've had all these opportunities to put in acknowledgement. Is the process of writing them, is it easier, different? Do you now get to remember people you might have forgotten? Oh, I hate that. I hate that because after I, sent in the acknowledgements for I didn't do it. I ended up getting a late blurb from Darby Kane and it was already sent in and I had put all my blurbers in and I was like, oh God, like she's not going to be in the back. So I'm sorry, Darby. You really just went to press before I got your blurb. I'm sorry. But yeah, like it's always going to be my agent, my editor, my publishers. There will always be a mention of my parents, my husband, my family, Anne-Marie. And I have found that my my industry contacts are getting bigger because I just know more people now. I know more bookstagrammers who are just the backbone of, of readers. It's just great what they do. So they're the ones always putting out books and reviews and stuff like that. So I'm, I've just become so close with so many bookstagrammers. No, I know so many more authors that I'm um, closer to now. And we, I meet so many of them at these conventions. And it's just fun to have my network grow. There are people I could not mention in this book because, as every author will tell you, there are always things going on behind the scenes that nobody's allowed to talk about. So... <laughs> Some people cannot be mentioned in there because I'm not allowed to say anything about anything to anyone. So it will be, oh, will be on the hush hush. Book four. They'll make it to book four, which comes out. <laughs> it's called Everyone is Lying, and it comes out in spring of 2024. All right. So you're just at a, a book a year in May, coming out in May at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know the, this November. We'll see what happens with my contract option comes up in November. So we'll see. <laughs> Love it. And I'm looking forward to the book coming out. I didn't do it in May. And I really appreciate you joining me today, Jamie. And I, I think the parts, especially that I'm taking away here, just the importance of community and grit in just being a writer. And then also just these importance about friendship, especially as you're talking about Anne-Marie. So yeah. I really love hearing those messages. Yeah, everybody. I'm beyond blessed. I really am beyond blessed. Like you said, you saw so many of my friends' names in the back, and that's because Every single one of them deserve to be acknowledged. <laughs> Love it. On that note, thank you so much, Jamie, for joining me today on the acknowledgments. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Thanks for getting curious about the acknowledgments and remember to read from cover to cover. Check out the acknowledgments on Facebook, Instagram, or theacknowledgments.com. There you'll find more information on the books and authors that I talk about here.